Hi everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Math Therapy Sessions podcast. Our guest for today is Dr. Suchetan Pradhan. He has completed his Masters in Prosthodontics from Mumbai in 1986 and has finished his MSc in Laser Dentistry from Germany. Dr. Pradhan has over 30 years of experience in implantology. He is the head of dentistry in Hinduja Hospital Mumbai since 1990 and is the director of Pradhan Dental Centers in Mumbai. The audio podcast is available on Spotify and Anchor. The links to that are in the description down below. Drop a like if you like this video and consider subscribing if you end up loving it. And also don't forget to comment down below your thoughts on the podcast. Till then, enjoy the episode. So Dr. Pradhan, you have incorporated a yoga session in your implant program if i'm not wrong how does that work so the, basically the the fact is that implants are a very so let me t- let me let me start by saying that dentistry is a very difficult profession mm-hmm. simply because you need so many uh, you know skills right to be able to be at the top of your profession so one of those skills is uh, of course focus remember that we are the only surgical profession in the field of medicine where the patient is fully awake yes and so the patient is watching your every move mm. so your focus is extremely important your concentration meditative qualities dynamics uh, those kind of dynamics are very important for that and so when you're doing for the first time for the young people for example for them to do implants mm. is a very stressed uh, area okay. so we we need to relax them also your physical well-being is very important for your mental health Absolutely. and vice versa and, and vice versa so we thought it would be great to have uh, a yoga teacher and we have a, a very good yoga teacher called John Quill Cooper from okay. UK who did so this was the one i introduced last year so you've oh so you've already done oh yeah we've done sessions. one 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 session of about and how hours. was the feedback so the feedback from the participants was amazing mm-hmm. and uh, they were really happy that we did uh, i also taught them in another session ways to concentrate just concentrate to focus okay. how do you focus okay. uh, so you know you compartmentalize your thoughts mm-hmm. and then you take a, a little ray of light and go from one compartment to the other okay so that really helps your focus and i think that um, also there was a l- good feedback on that so yeah we are going to keep a half day session on yoga and uh, modes of concentration so that they can funnel their energies mm-hmm. in the right way rather than getting stressed so when they learn implants with you it's they learn not just implants they, they learn much more than that well we hope that we can give them a fully well rounded a holistic kind of an education which they can go back into their practices and implement immediately after they finish so the program is that <clears throat> is that the approach of going for the holistic approach yeah. i i believe in that even in our practice for example mm-hmm. we want a holistic approach i think uh, dentistry is is the gateway to to health you know because it's the oral cavity which is the gateway and you can find a lot of things uh in patients which are medical uh medically compromised situations right. which you can identify with your teeth got it so that's it's important to understand the whole holistic uh, mechanics of dentistry so how did your love for implants start so let me tell you um when i was in bds ji um and i just just joined mds had finished my bds and just joined mds and in 1984 
the first book by Dr. Brenner Mark mm-hmm. was released. And I was, I used to be one of those guys who used to sit in the library and chat up with the uh, librarians and stuff like that. And so I, whenever the new books came in, she, uh, she used to give them to me and say, oh, read this, it might be interesting. So the first time I saw the, the story of us integration uh, was in 1984. And that, I, I read that book cover to cover in about two days. And it really interested me. So I said, okay, let me finish my MDS, then I'm going to go to the US and learn implants. And that's exactly what I did. And that's where my passion for implants started. So it won't be wrong for me to say that you must have worked on almost all the implant systems that are out there. The, 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 the accepted ones, yes. Okay. Because in those days, there were a lot of cowboys. <laughs> and so there were a lot of different kinds of implants, spiral implants and stuff like that. But yes, the, the ones that were uh, universally <clears throat> scientifically accepted, I'm sorry, I have a little cold. <clears throat> we were scientifically and universally accepted at that point mm-hmm. um, with some kind of uh, scientific data behind them. Yes, I've tried most Are there of them. any systems which have not worked with? No, I didn't. I hadn't worked with the Strauman for a long time. Mm-hmm. But then I've started working on that in the last four years. I'm very and, happy with it. Okay, great. Any advice for students out there who would who are about to start placing implants and restoring them? Your advice for them? So the first thing is get yourself educated properly. Okay. Because again, an implant, uh, the whole curriculum of implant is that you're going into a backward integration. Right. That means you should know what you're going to be finally uh, doing for the patient before you start placing your implants. So unless you are educated properly, and that's really the most important thing, mm. educate yourself in every aspect of implant dentistry, and then it's all easy. And then it's just a matter of practice, doing more and more and more till that 10,000 number is reached. Of course, that takes a long time with mm. implants. But once that is reached, of course, even before that, your hands are set, your mind is set. You don't have to think about parallelism you don't have to think about where you're going to place the implant it comes naturally so you mean to say you you should know the basics and be consistent at it and then eventually you will get good at it i would say that initially if you have a mentor guided mm-hmm. approach that would really help mm-hmm. because the mentor can tell you what little errors you're making i wouldn't call them mistakes i would say just little errors that you can improve your uh, technique by just uh, following the examples of people who've done them at the highest possible levels. So when you talk about a mentor, how how important is the role of having a good mentor in dentistry? I think it's very important. And should everyone have one? To be fair, I never had one. Okay. Till, till uh, I met somebody called Paolo Malo mm-hmm. and who inspired me, but that was much later on in my life. I met him in when I was in my 40s, not before that. But before that, yes, I, I was inspired by a lot of people because of what they did. But I wouldn't say that I would follow them and, you know, that I would take everything that they did and, right. and do it in my practice. Because remember, everybody's different. Mm. What may work for you may not work for me. So you also incorporate a lot of digital dentistry in your practice. What's your definition? Because out there, people have different definitions. What's your definition of digital dentistry? So let me just tell you that I get bored very quickly. Okay. So every 10 years, I have to change my focus. Mm-hmm. And so my first focus was, of course, prosthodontics, was my ma- which was my master's. Right. Then I did implant dentistry for 10 years. I concentrated my energies in that. Mm-hmm. And then in 2000, I 
1997, I started looking at lasers. So that was my next um, interest area, which I did pursue for 10 years. And again, we did a lot of work on that. And then in about 2010, I started thinking that digital dentistry would be the way of the future. Mm-hmm. And so I got the CEREC. One of the first CEREX in this country. In 2012? In 2012, I got okay. my first CEREX, 10 years back. And then once I could I could see what it was doing, mm-hmm. um, then I started incorporating other uh, areas of digital dentistry in, into my practice. Okay. So I think what we need to understand is digital dentistry is a whole new format which incorporates collection of data, mm-hmm. identifying and planning the data. Right collating it and then 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 planning for the for, 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 for the treatment modalities and then executing the treatment modalities mm-hmm. so it's a whole new world if you look at it so how do you capture the data I mean you could do CBCTs that's and we got the CBCT and I think again in 2008 was the first wow. CBCT that I bought okay now I have uh, two CBCTs in both my Bandra and my Juhu practice and we are uh, looking to get one in the Nariman point as well <clears throat> So that so you capture the data by your CBCT. Or you can also the capture capture the data with scanners. Okay. So what most people's misconception is that digital dentistry is just scanning teeth, but that's a very minuscule part. That's it. how it's been marketed right exactly. now. Exactly. So companies will market what sells for mm-hmm. them, right? So yes, and it's a great way of doing it. You, you you can scan. You don't need impression materials, but then that you need software, right? To plan with the data that you've captured mm-hmm. and there are different softwares um, amazing softwares available for all kinds of things for smile design for implants for uh, crown and bridge you know things like that and so you you incorporate that copy plan it then you have milling units mm-hmm. and 3d printers which will enable you to deliver the planning stage okay. into your prosthetic options that you have mm. so even from guided surgeries to, to, to so, so the guide sleeves incorporate that in your guides and then you have you can mill abutments today you can mill anything right, right. you can mill titanium you can mill ceramics you can mill um, uh, feldspathics you can mill uh, e, you know lithium disilicates so you have all of these milling options available to you mm-hmm. to get what you want in terms of function and aesthetics for your patient. Right. so can you explain to us your digital workflow in brief so what we do is, um, I don't do a lot of guided surgeries except okay. for um, all in four for large cases mm-hmm. um, because of my experience with implants. But if you're a younger person, uh, you should do that in your practice. But please understand that a guided surgery is not nirvana. Mm. Okay. You have to understand the basis of implants. Right. You know, again, companies will sell you, use this guide and place an implant. But if you don't understand that it's the stability of the guide that is most important True. for your implant uh, positioning. And then so so obviously you start from there and then you go forwards with. So we don't use guides, but we we scan most of our implants now. Uh, of course, we have CBCT. So planning stage, we have all the softwares that are available uh, with us that we plan our um, implant treatments. And then we scan. And then we sometimes mill the abutments okay. if you have to change the position or you're using stock abutments. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we mill the prosthesis. So we have now five axis milling units as well in our practice. Okay, great. That's So 
you did your masters in prosthodontics in 1986 or 7 i finished in 86 okay so how was the mds experience for you and why did you choose prosthodontics um i would have liked to do surgery but it's a difficult uh, so in those days there were there was not that much opportunity for surgery okay so i thought that it would be a good and and you know i was always interested in aesthetics so so you you mean to say the scope was limited as a clinician when you did surgery back then in the 80s okay. because you know a lot of the uh, surgical work that you were getting were mainly impactions true um because most of the other work was going to one or two oral surgeons who were well established and mainly to plastic surgeons okay so the opportunities if you did your oral surgery you are limited to doing it in your practice mm-hmm. minor surgeries and if you got a hospital attachment then you would fighting with orthopedic surgeons and plastic surgeons to get those cases absolutely so that was and it's still the case yeah. um not as much today because we are recognized uh, as a specialty uh, but yeah 30 35 37 years back, back yeah. it was really that that was the case and so prosthodontics was an option that i always thought because i was very interested in uh, uh, aesthetics Um my mother being a theater actor in those days it really helped because I met a lot of people who uh whose whose accent was on aesthetics culture that kind of stuff so mm. that that propelled me into doing prosthodontics and of course I got my MDS remember those days there were no private colleges so so you did from Nair then I I did my BDS from Nair and my MDS from Nair I was in Nair for from 1979 to 1986 seven years wow. almost great, a great decade time. there spent a great time there so how was the mds experience for you you got 3 years there how was it those days it was a 2 year experience oh, it was okay. not a 3 year experience sorry i didn't know that yeah so um first of all unfortunately um they they were they weren't teaching us a lot other than full dentures and maybe crown bridge but remember those days ceramics was like doing brain surgery mm. so a ceramic crown was was considered like the epitome. That's crazy right to yeah, exactly. think about it right now. <laughs> so dentistry has changed dramatically in the in the and last And you have years. been a spe- I mean an active spectator you've seen the evolution you've seen it all I mean the last three decades and we would our generation would like to think that we've been the uh, at the vanguard of change mm. and we've been responsible for some of that change that has happened. Um uh, so yeah. Yeah so it, it, it was so very those, those two years have been I mean have taught I mean you know molded you to what you are right now absolutely absolutely um and like i said dentistry is a difficult profession to be in you need lots of skills and you got to keep learning new skills all the time any patient story from uh, your you know your pg days if you have one which you can remember which you would like to share with us i'd like to share a very funny story okay i'm, I'm all just yours. to tell you just to tell you how where we have progressed from so Uh, I was an MDS student in those days, and we used to have this wonderful uh, dean of ours called Dr. Dayal Shani. He was over to, over the top character, uh, very 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 lovable man, um, and an, and and inspirational in different ways. Okay. So the first time we had light cure units in wow. 1985 <laughs> or 84, 85. Mm. So I said, Sir, I would like to see it. Come, come, I'll take you there. So there was this retinue of people in front of us there was Dr Shani in front of me and there was me behind and we all walked into a specially made room wow 
Wow. Which was locked. So we opened the room. The room was open. There was one chair there, and there was a cupboard on the side, mm. which was also locked. <laughs> so that cupboard was opened, and the light curing unit was taken out and said, <laughs> "That's the light curing unit." So that's where we progressed from. Today, if I had to tell you that you have to lock up a light curing unit, you would probably laugh. So that's and and those were great days because uh, dentistry was um, was changing. Is that the reason why your generation values things more? Like you said, like uh, for us, we can't even think about like that. But for you, you have seen it. You know, what's your take on that? Absolutely, aerators were not commonplace in dental practices then. Mm. Remember, even in Nayar, we in in our uh, what we used to call operative department, which is now restorative dentistry, we didn't have aerators. most of the times we were working on motors which were engine driven okay so you can imagine from there to where we are today is a very dramatic change true true absolutely true so you did your uh, i mean there's a wonderful insight uh, story which we came to like you know a small one but you know this sheds light on the value of a you know a light cure machine uh, you did your ug from nine how was it I mean, and why did you choose dentistry as your career so my father was a doctor okay. my grandfather was a general practitioner mm-hmm. and we first batch of mbbs from grant medical college in 1924 wow and my father was a pediatrician <coughs> who did his uh, dch from dublin he was he was in the uk for a little while and so they wanted me to do medicine i mean in my days we had only three five career choices you could be an engineer you could be And again, I'm going to tell you a story. You can edit that if you like. Uh, engineer, uh, a doctor, an architect, a lawyer, and if your father was in business, you could be a businessman. But my father was not. Got it. None of my family was. <laughs> my family was full of doctors. So one day, I told my father that, look, I don't want to take science, and I want to become a journalist. Journalist. Yeah. So because I was very interested in in literature and you know in in languages and stuff. So my father said, didn't say anything. He said, you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You take your choices, whatever. whatever. One day we were walking on the streets of Andheri, and he, we met somebody who was not very well dressed and little, sort of, you know, wanting for a lot of cash. Yeah. Um, and then we had a long conversation with him. My father said very fondly, said lots of things to him, and then we went away. And then he looked at me and he said, "That's one of the best journalists in India." <laughs> so, so did you do that deliberately to show you? Of course, of course. Okay. The next day, I decided I want to be a, <laughs> I want to be someone uh, that that could have a, a reasonable lifestyle. Right. And so, dentistry was the easiest option for me mm. because um, I could see my father working, getting up at three in the morning, um, my grandfather working through the day, mm. and I didn't want that lifestyle. So, I think this was an easier option. Can I share one uh, personal story of mine too? Sure. So I wanted to become a sports journalist when I was in my twelfth standard, and my father and my grandfather are doctors, and I've looked at their lifestyle, and it's exactly the same thing. I've seen them working throughout the day, throughout the night, and that's one reason why I did not want to be a doctor. So something common between us on that part. Absolutely. I mean, you know, um, you dentistry was the easiest option mm-hmm. in medicine, in, in all of medicine. So. So uh looking back 
Are there any things you wish you did more of in your BDS days? Not really. I I tell you, I learned my dentistry in my uh, internship year. Okay. Those days, internship was not compulsory. Okay. So you had four years of BDS, mm-hmm. then you could join MDS immediately after BDS. So what we what I decided to do was take a gap year. A gap year. A gap year. Okay. And go into the different. uh you know departments in nair mm. so that i could learn dentistry mm-hmm. really and we had some wonderful professors in there and uh, who were really knowledgeable and were interested in teaching and so i would sit with them That's and the we would discuss they were interested in teaching they were very interested in teaching they were very interested in teaching and i i, I owe a lot of my success to that one particular year especially in Uh, oral diagnosis and stuff like that like i said dentistry is holistic mm. so if you are spend that much time diagnosing then you know where your problems lie yeah so, so that there's nothing that which great. you wish you should you could have done more of i only did everything i wish i had spent more time doing other stuff than dentistry which i did i mean we i, I was a sports person i did i did uh, i was uh, did cultural stuff as well Uh, I was a literary secretary and I used to take part in quizzes and stuff. But Nair was not GDC. Mm-hmm. So there were two colleges which were the behemoths of dentistry in those days. One was Garvan Dental College, GDC in BT and Nair. And so GDC was more relaxed in terms of academics. Nair was more focused on academics. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, I I wouldn't change anything. I I think I would still be the same. Any any funny story or any memorable incident from a ug days which you can share with us so there was um this was the first day of bds my junior college no i was in second year okay and um one of my classmates who became a really well not classmate but one year junior mm-hmm. uh, student of mine uh, she met me outside and she said oh i'm just joining college and stuff so we enter the lift mm-hmm. and she was the stall half bawi half uh, um sindhi chick i think and uh very tall mm. and dr rp nayak who was to be our perio head hod walked in and he started talking to me because he knew uh, somebody and sort of met because i was in the hostel and he was the warden and then this girl says i am so and so may i know your name please <laughs> <laughs> So we had a lot of characters in those days, <laughs> in the staff and in in yeah. the students. Yeah. So was that it, made it interesting? Was there a response from the? <laughs> He was just shell shocked. <laughs> <laughs> He was speechless. That's the only time I've seen him speechless. Any any high like one high and one low point from your uh, UG days, uh, which you remember? Well, I I wasn't sure how good a student I'm going to be, and. because i was not that interested in dentistry the first year i again took a gap year in my dentistry first okay. like i told you that and then i had to appear for my first year exams and fortunately my high point was that i came second in anatomy and i was i think first or second in physiology in wow. that year that really inspired me to go in and 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 then i said oh that means i can do it academically as well so that propelled me into uh doing other stuff It's amazing. Uh, so you mentioned doing lasers. So you did your MSc in lasers after completing your masters in prosthodontics. So why did you feel the need to do masters in you know lasers? 
I actually believe that whatever you do, I I I try to be a perfectionist. Okay. Whether I achieve on achieve it or not is not me, for me to say. Right. But I at least try. I strive for it. So whatever new areas of dentistry that I'm going to enter in, and you must understand, implants or lasers were not a part of the general curriculum. Hmm. So how do you educate yourself? That's why I went to the U.S. to do my implant program. That's why I decided to do my an educational, formal, academic educational program that will allow me to practice something at the highest possible levels, and that was the only reason why. Okay, I did it when I was forty-four, forty-five years old. So I wasn't uh, a spring chicken, mm. and I spent a lot of time going to Germany and coming back. It was a it was a distance learning program, partly and partly in in person. So it was not that I had to spend two years in Germany. So which was, which was great and. and- How was the oral program? What it was more mean? academic. Okay. I wish it was more clinical. Okay. Clinical, we had to teach ourselves. So, can you uh, share something about the European master's degree also uh, in lasers? So, what had happened in those days was lasers was considered a little away from the mainstream of dentistry. Okay. Okay. So, there were about five or six universities in in. In, in Europe, there was Rome. There was uh, there was uh, uh, Barcelona. Mm. There was uh, Germany Aachen. Uh, then there was one in France, I think Nice. Mm. Uh, so there were five or six professors who had got together, and they had proposed to the EU that they could that we could join up together and mm. have if anybody passes from any of these institutes with an MSc, then they should be awarded the European Master's degree in oral laser application. So that was there what they called the MDOLA. Mm-hmm. And that was, in fact, I think ours was the second batch that got the MDOLA. So you have put in a lot of, you know, studying into lay. It's just not, uh, you know, something which you wanted to do because that was the only thing left to do. You did actually because you were passionate about it. Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't do anything just because it was going to uh, give me a another a degree, title, a title. Right. I didn't need it by that time because my practice was already very successful. So this was only so that I could enhance myself, and I also wanted to enter into laser academics. So eventually, I wrote a little chap. I mean, I wrote my chapter, which is lasers and implant dentistry, uh, in Springer's. Uh, uh, it's it's the virtual textbook of laser dentistry today. So how important is the role of lasers in your daily practice? I use it. Do you, do you still use it? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and we are, I think we are one of the few practices in this country. There are not that many mm. uh, that use the OBM lasers in their practices. And and the, the unfortunate part is that it was marketed wrong. Lasers were marketed completely wrong. A laser is not a restorative tool. It's not a handpiece. Mm. It's a surgical tool. It's a scalpel. It's a bone removal. It it is sterilizing. So if you have a cyst and you use a laser, it will automatically sterilize the areas around. So it is a great surgical tool, mm. which which has been wrongly marketed. I feel. So, I mean, given an option, what's your take on lasers? Should people, uh, young doctors or dentists, should they learn lasers and start incorporating after they have mastered it, or is this something which is still a niche? You know, you know, so okay. let me let me again uh, take two minutes on this point. It's a very important point. Lasers are something that will enhance patient-centered simplification. 
So you want to make it easy for your patients. You want to make it so easy for your patients that if you tell them that I'm going to do the same procedure five years down the line on you, they will say, oh, what you did five years back? Mm. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and do it. Because the morbidity of post-operative laser therapy is so minimal, less bleeding, less pain, less inflammation. That's the cornerstone of all laser dentistry. Yes, the unfortunate part is that diode lasers, which are the more harmful ones compared to the erbium and can have deleterious effects on tissues if not used properly, because they're cheaper, companies are telling you, okay, here's a laser, this is a video, use it. Wow. Without actually insisting on certification. Now I believe the DCI is, is uh, also doing some kind of a certification programming or requirement for usage of lasers and practices. Mm. Yeah, so it is very, again, very important, like I keep saying, education. It can is become an important tool in your daily practice. Not only important, practice builder. It so can build your practice. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. It can it can it can make people easily uh, 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 you know access dental treatment rather than thinking twice. Oh, the surgery has to be done. It's going to have lots of consequences. I have a party tomorrow. I won't be able to attend it. So you were an active sports an athlete in your college days. I want to know more on that. I wish I was an athlete. I was a sports person. I wouldn't okay. call myself an athlete. The only I couldn't run very fast. Let me tell you, because I'm flat-footed. So I would do long distance, because mm -hmm. that's the easier option. But yeah, I played a lot of sports. And I would thank my uh, my family for having you know inculcated me into the sporting thing. So I played cricket, played it for college. And I played TT at a reasonable level. I wouldn't say I was a great sports person, but I was very, very involved in sports. And I would follow all the sports that were So being active available. and doing... <clears throat> You know, participating in many sports, did that help you in dentistry? Absolutely. Remember that if you play team sports or even if you play individual sports, your focus, your concentration, your fitness, um, your, your uh, uh, ability to perform under pressure, that is enhanced even in your clinical practices. And I think the most important is your ability to perform under pressure. Mm. People tend to crack under pressure. So sports teaches you that? Absolutely. And physical fitness, of course. It's so important to everybody's Taking mental well-being. Off yeah. our bags. Absolutely. Mental well-being is equally related to physical. And one doesn't have to explain that. It's, it's, it's open. It's out, in, out there in the open. Right. Any stories regarding your cricketing friends and athletes and sports players? Because you have a lot of interesting stories. So, heard. <laughs> so I was very lucky to have uh, met a lot of sports people at the top of their careers. Just having just maybe retired or just in the verge of retirement. So I used to know Sunil Gavaskar mm. at one point in time because of common friends. Then I got really close to two of the legendary figures in cricket in the cricketing world. Vivin Richards and uh, Jimmy Amanath who are both. How, how did that happen? How did meet, meeting with Viv Richards happen? So that's because of Nina okay. Gupta who was a very good friend of ours. Uh, and... Uh, so because of her, we used to meet him. He used to keep coming. And Masaba is like my adopted, uh, is like my adopted daughter now. Uh, so we are really a close uh, thing. And so, yeah, I don't talk to him very much. But yeah, there is a fondness 
there. But um, Jimmy Amanath is a very close friend and I, I keep meeting him all the time. And he's a wonderful man as well. So, uh, do they have any funny stories regarding dentists or, you know, like, do you have any inside jokes? Not, not, for, not, for, but I, I know a lot of cricketing stories, which is <laughs> not the real forum to tell, talk about. Okay, okay. But, but, uh, yeah, but both of them have told me really funny cricketing stories. Um, the one thing that, that, that Will Richards always told me that there are two batsmen in India that the West Indian, the, the fast bowling quartet, only two batsmen that really respected. One, one was Sunny Gavaskar, of course, and the second was Jimmy Amanath because of that. One series that he played and he took them on and he belted them through all the parks of the Caribbean. So, yeah, he always said that. Wow. So, I mean, we'll keep a different podcast for that. That will be interesting. And, yeah. yeah, true. So, uh, you also go on a lot of treks and you are a diver. Yeah. So, I mean, so many things you do. How do you, and I mean, how did that love for, you know, going on treks, hiking, that start? And is it something which you did from... You know, your younger days and or is it something which I've just taken up right now? So I did it in college days, but then I got so busy in my practice that I didn't, it didn't connect for a long time. But we used to trek in college days and stuff like that. I was always very fond of the outdoors. Uh, I love nature. Um, I love uh, uh, wildlife parks and stuff like that, which is one of my other uh, favorite areas. And so I think you, you have one life to live. Right. You have a bucket list and you got to keep ticking those boxes out of your comfort zone. Mm. I think it's very important to reach out of your comfort zone and see what you can achieve. And so I tried diving uh, in many years back and I wasn't too happy with my experience. But then I went through the whole, again, educational protocol of PADI. Right. Right. Yeah. So we did, and my whole family, both the kids, uh, me, Shalini, my wife, uh, we all went through the pro- protocol, the, the whole thing. And then we got so immersed in it that then we took an advanced certification. So we can dive up to 30 meters now. Oh, you've got the entire family in that. Yeah, all of us can do that. And it's, it's you know, under uh, underwater is a different world altogether. That's what they say. You see, when you come out, you see the world from a different vision altogether. And there's no sound. <laughs> So it's very quiet yeah. and it's amazing. You, you can see all kinds of uh, creatures that you've never seen. Creatures right. is the wrong word. All kinds of uh, marine life right. To right. that that uh, you never thought existed. You're also someone who's very passionate about teaching. So I want to know more on that. I think that, that really excites me. And uh, that because I think child is a father of man. And you guys, your generation has to take up from where we are. Mm-hmm. We can tell you what mistakes we've made. We can teach you the right way if you're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And we can guide you into taking it to the next level. I think Understood. it's very important, especially in our country where at this point, dentistry is facing a bit of a crisis because of the numbers that we are There's seeing. a lot of misrepresentation. And so we'll come down to that point. I think we should talk about the ethics of dentistry as well. So it's it's about it's about uh, you know guiding somebody with that experience. Now mm. you know things that you may not be able to see, not because of a lack of skill, but because of a lack of experience, can be taught very easily. And I think that's what really excites me. Like I said, child is the father of man. I want to create 
much bigger human beings than me that's my uh, that's really my driving ambition at this point so uh, when you were a dentist uh, I'm, i'm sorry when you were a dental student and you're you're seeing you're working with a lot of dental students right now in your fellowship programs in lot of implant program what is the one difference you feel what is between you guys and the current generation and it's a very good and important distinction we were taught never to question our teachers that what i know is gospel truth mm. while the, i learn a lot from my students because they ask you incredible questions i must tell you the high point of my career was when i was invited to lecture mm. for the perio grad students at the harvard dental school wow and i spent two days with them one day doing lectures and hands and then then hands on and stuff like that with lasers and implant dentistry and the kind of questions that i got some of them i could not answer because and i and and, and you know I went back and i read up and i said oh that's a, that's the question so that helps you as a absolutely. teacher absolutely absolutely when you get questions which you don't know answers to yep. you actually go back yep. and you up, i mean yeah and you got to be honest don't know but you need but i find out you need to be open about that as a teacher absolutely again mm. because if you're closing your and that's the difference with i think in the earlier days when we were students and now that that's the that's the question that you asked and that's the answer that that today people don't take you they they want to know more they're not afraid they're not afraid to ask you and they shouldn't be because if i'm a teacher i should be able to teach them properly so what will be your advice to students who want to wish who want to make dentistry as a career or to dental students who are already in den- dental school first year and second year what would your advice be for them my advice to young young people wanting to become dentists is that be honest to yourself it's very important don't chase money it will chase you eventually if you're good you you it will chase you people are in a hurry to achieve Don't, you know certain financial goals which are not but of course i can understand that because if you have taken loans you've spent on your education remember my fee in bds and mds was 160 rupees every uh, so twice a year so 320 360 rupees a year right. was what we were paying <laughs> that's crazy yeah. yeah so i mean if you're paying 50 lakhs or whatever it is as fees or 20 lakhs or what i mean whatever it's a large sum of money which your parents have invested true, and true. you have to give it back in some ways some people have taken loans so i can understand that but try to keep your ethics as clean as possible that would Because, be the only advice i would and give. you know it's coming from you so it means a lot like you have seen everything you have seen the highs the lows the good thing the bad thing in dentistry and coming that from you actually means a lot uh, so people need students need to have little patience need to work on the skills and keep upgrading them and of course upgrading your skills educating yourself very well and very importantly be passionate about what you're doing mm. your passion shows patients can see your passion that's what makes a practice right so is becoming a dent or being a dentist worth it in 2022 according to you not in this country unfortunately because there are so many uh dentists who all want to practice and i there is a huge need for dentists in smaller towns 
at the highest possible levels right. you know open really good practices and then incorporate that for their but they're not interested in that they want to all stay in of course the big cities have their own lure uh you know the, the big cities have their own advantage uh, so, so you mean to say if you are an experienced dentist and you move to a tier 2 tier 3 town or you can actually do good i know so many people who migrate into mumbai or chennai or delhi or whatever it's, it's not worth it in it's not worth it anymore it used to be worth it mm-hmm. when the numbers were smaller but now it's becoming more and more difficult also remember that there is no faculty positions available in dentistry anymore all of them have been taken So if you are doing your your masters today uh you have to go into practice a lot right. of people are not finding that attractive enough because at least when in the earlier days when you got a faculty position you had an assured income and if teaching was your forte then you were pursuing that hmm. you also someone who had who is currently working in a hospital setup so what's the main difference between you know working in a hospital setup and working in a private practice I think what I really learned, and I, I still had the department of dentistry in India Hospital. Mm. Um, what I really learned is medically compromised patients and how to treat them, which you don't really get to see in your in private, private practice. practice. Mm. Yeah, and so the hospital-based practices are a little bit different from uh, because regular dental practices patients don't want to go into a hospital setting. Mm. It's too overwhelming for them. so they'd rather go into a really nice space you know with understood nice, you know. and they attach you know hospital to being a sickness sick yeah exactly exactly dentistry in a lot of ways is a, is a wellness treatment it's not a sickness treatment that's such a great line like so uh, you know we went through a couple of years of the pandemic and the whole situation and dentistry as dentists were the one of the few ones who were affected a lot more than other occupations i would say So how did it affect you and what has it taught you it changed me entirely <clears throat> when the fir- when the fa- pandemic was first announced and you know that this is a problem and then we had to we opened our practice on the 8th of uh, uh of May which is the day that we were asked to open uh, government and mandatorily banned it mm. and um so i was in goa for those 8 6 8 weeks and i came back from there because one of my patients who was a minister in the cabinet wanted me to treat him so right. i had to come back to mumbai uh because that that was the need of the hour and then we had to incorporate so many things into our practices we were virtually astronauts mm. we put in hepa filtration big big plants in our practice now of course we have uh, air conditioning hepa filters in in our new practice in 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 in, in car but so it also allowed me to spend 6 weeks with my family at one time without a break and that changed me and i said look this is life right it has given you a new perspective i was working 365 days of a year because i was working monday to saturday then i was lecturing mainly on on, on the weekends so there have been years when i've lectured 100 days in a year which means i was insane yeah so it was completely insane the way i was working and i toned it down and today i want to finish by 5:36 in the evening i don't want to work till 8 8:39 don't want to work on a sunday you know so that has changed i want to enjoy other aspects of my life as well it it made us realize that life is short it's it's finite it's not infinite i mean you know so make the most of it and 
when you have family around you 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 like like you say you we do everything for our family in 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 a way so when you are surrounded with them and so a, as a person you know mentally how did it affect you because a lot of i mean did i wasn't scared of covid in that respect of course i took my vaccinations the the moment it was announced all that we were protecting ourselves we did take precautions but we were not and we were sensitive to our patients needs right because remember you can't abandon them right. you're there for them i am here because of my patients i would not be talking to you otherwise right. right so i had to be sensitive to them i had to keep their needs in mind and i also had to keep my safety as a prime concern for myself true which we did and uh, touch wood uh, i must say that we've had no incidents in our all our practices through the pandemic and now of course it's virtually open so you're someone who inspires a lot of people directly indirectly who's your inspiration who inspires you i think my major inspiration in life was my grandfather who's your grandfather my grandfather was a major inspiration in my life he taught me honesty he taught me uh self righteousness uh he taught me all those things even though he was that was my my maternal grandfather who was not a doctor he was a banker for example uh, uh as a professional uh, but that was one professionally i think the one person like i mentioned before was palomalo i saw what he's done it's an incredible he expanded 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 he has a whole building in lisbon and um he tried to make a protocol that is easily doable by other people and it's not just about him right mm. so got it so that is something if you can do that then because most dentists dental chains haven't done well all over the world most and there are exceptions most haven't done well because they're all about marketing and getting the patient into the practice they're and not they about following them, themselves yeah so it's not about long term association with the patients mm. it's not about quality it's about numbers right um but palo was the first one who actually tried to get get protocols set so that even other people could follow those protocols right and incorporate that and he did that successfully and that's why he he was successful in opening so many centers without him his actual presence when you give back to the society you're bound to get it back absolutely um, you know you leave a everlasting legacy is there something what you plan to do because you have a huge legacy uh, some i'm I mean, not so sure about that i'm not i'm not sure whether i really need because nothing matters after death because cuz i'm thinking there was a famous film called zorba the greek Nikos Kazantakis was the author he said the last line was nothing matters after that so really i don't really care if okay. and once i'm gone and i'm gone but yes it would be nice if i could and and i have one or two protocols which people are using mm-hmm. in their practices um in a lot of areas and yeah that and all i tell my students is don't have to give me anything in kind just say thank you that's all that's important i think goodwill what you need in life is goodwill and i think Got if it. you get that that's good enough so you just mentioned you were working you know easily 365 days a, a year so what motivates you to you know work, go into to work day in day out how do you push yourself to work because that's something which we, i struggle i personally struggle with so 
you know something on that uh, would be great it's a passion it's a passion nobody can tell you if somebody told me you're working too hard i would say so mm. i'm enjoying it but at that point because you're caught up in that spiral of work 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 you don't realize the other enchantments available in the world right yeah so it's a spiral but yeah it, there's a passion to it i want to be the best i want to be the best it's a junoon mm. you know what i mean you also mentioned empathy you know having empathy in dentistry i want to know more on that so dentistry is all about again perception of patients about the treatments right and the first thing the patients fear is pain so you have to be empathetic to the patient's pain i have an ex- incident that happened 3 days back so we were this patient is a, is a is a young girl in the late 30s but all her life she's had dentistry under general anesthesia because she's had bad experiences let's right. put it that way so we tried to wean her off that and last time we were doing it under sedation and i said why don't we try this and if you feel anything we'll put and the statistics right here right and we went through the protocol without any sedation and her mother nearly touched my feet she says wow that and if i had not been empathetic and i had just said that look okay it's fine we'll put you under anesthesia doesn't matter to me but it matters to me mm. if you're not empathetic towards your patient it's not going to build your practice i think that's the bottom line empathy is the bottom line for all doctors it's not just us so you mean it, but, but because it's not something which you can learn uh, i mean easily you can learn you can learn you empathy. can of course you train yourself to be empathetic you look at the so i I don't know whether I was naturally empathetic but in my later now I'm becoming a little more intolerant but I used to be very empathetic in the earlier days of my practice right but so what what happens is you look put yourself in their position and say if I was the patient and you were the doc and the patient was a doctor and if he reacted the way I am reacting to him how would you feel and if you do that you will understand that a lot of times your reactions was slightly over the top and that you could correct them right true so i think that's that's empathy you know you empathize with the patient and say oh i understand your problem let's find a solution that may not hurt you but that will give you proper function aesthetics whatever else i think once they know that you are in their team they also open up in a bet- much better way the patients absolutely they trust you so and trust is a major factor here true i mean uh dentistry and trust go hand in hand absolutely because they're watching every move mm. every move you take every breath you make i'll be watching you <laughs> what do you feel about the future of dentistry globally and in there to be specific we need to have dental insurance if you ask me to okay. make it financially viable and also for a lot of our uh, population to be dentally aware okay how many patients come in for regular scalings into our practices not that many if you look at the numbers you know how many patients are re- really concerned about their dental health how many people understand that the oral cavity is a gateway to your body and that a lot of the things that can happen to your body can happen through your oral cavity 
and the manifestations are there to be seen right so that awareness is still not there in our population i think if insurance comes in people will be more motivated because they don't have to put money from their pocket into treatment so that's so the that might course. be a game changer absolutely it will have to be a game changer mm-hmm. if you look at what happened to the us for example if you look at what happened to the west you know a lot of countries where social uh, you know insurance was the norm because of governments right their their health oral health is very very good mm-hmm. and those countries which don't have which have to depend on either private insurance or paying from your pocket mm-hmm. pay for fee for service their the dental health is lacking got it because i have a uh, theory behind it uh, i mean it might be funny to you but so what i feel is we have 32 teeth imagine if we just had two teeth so uh, for for a patient sometimes i feel sometimes the patient also take their teeth for granted because just the sheer amount of number they have 32 teeth even if one goes for a toss they like i still have 31 left so uh, and they my personal experience they refuse to pay from their own pocket and like you said if you put in you know the dental insurance in the game probably you know they will start taking better care of it and they, once they understand the oral manifestation with the systemic uh, implications probably that might lead to overall better health i mean if you take an example of somebody like dr devi shetty mm-hmm. what he did for karnataka with his bangalore the scheme insurance scheme where he was offering bypasses for very small sums of money but the government was funding a lot of that mm-hmm. so he went to the government and, and and if if we can do that if we can convince the governments that look dental oral health is very important and that you need to put in a little bit from your pocket as well right and then you know um that would really take off what if we take one step and you know the patient will take the bigger step absolutely so you have to give them But the the avenue to take that next step it's a it's a it's a vicious wheel someone has to break the wheel either the patient or the dentist so if we put our best efforts you know in doing this probably you know the patient might do the bigger thing in that absolutely i i fully agree with that so what's next for dr suchetan pradhan i think if i ask you <laughs> i just want to be a mentor that i can train i want to leave an army of really good dentists behind um whom i can train to the highest possible standards um we've done some i i would like to uh do other things in my life as well apart from clinical practices uh, i'm very interested in so many things in life and i would tick off my bucket list one by one got it uh one thing i forgot to ask you was you have three dentists in your family so how are the dynamics in that uh do you discuss dentistry on the on the dining table or how does it work out so we don't look it's impossible not to discuss it when there is a problem right yeah when there are some issues that need to be sorted out now i'm thankful that my wife is uh, also a, an, an mds and she works with me because without her i would not have been able to grow my practices or leave the care of my patients when i was teaching traveling you know doing other things So that has been one of the strengths we have also created a whole infrastructure an army of well, not an army but a little small numbers of other dentists that we've trained and who've been with me from 20 years um, for a very long time so we trust each other's diagnostic skills and treatment skills 
So that's very important. In the family, I was against my son becoming a dentist. <laughs> I actively discouraged him from doing dentistry nice. because I felt that the future in India for dentistry, and you can see it now, right. uh, is not the best. Mm. And of course, he has a, a legacy that he could, uh, he three practices, if you can call that a legacy. I'm not really sure whether you could. But if you have three practices and you could, you could uh, start off uh, on a much firmer footing than somebody who's going to start a new. Right. But I thought that they were, the, the opportunities in today's world, in other areas, there's so much creativity around. You can do anything. You can do anything. Right. So that was not an opportunity for us. But mm. but he was adamant and he became a dentist. And I think he's yeah. doing good. Well, only time can tell. <laughs> he's, he's young right now. We have to see what will happen. But yes, my best wishes uh, are, are with him. I hope he does the best he can achieve. And he should achieve more. Mm. Look, when I started practicing, I did not imagine that I would be in this position where I am today. Okay. I think it's very important rather than being just ambitious, you got to strive to become a super, a super achiever. That's important. Got it. I mean, that's wonderful to know, uh, you know, the whole family dynamics and to, to know that you have such a, a strong support system that includes your wife too in that, I mean, in a big way. Of course, so, we, we, we've had discussions. So normally, the rule of thumb was that you would not talk about dentistry when you come home for dinner. Okay. And because we were not in the same practice, it was very good. Because, you know, otherwise it becomes it's too much of each other. Right. And that can cause its own set of problems. But the rule of thumb was I, we won't discuss dentistry in the middle of the night. Perfect. So we'll end our podcast with a rapid fire section where I ask you a few questions and... <clears throat> You have to answer as fast as possible. Your favorite dental instrument? I think the laser. The laser. The, Any erbium, specific, the erbium laser. The erbium laser. Yeah. Any specific uh, company or... Uh, I, specific I don't want to get into companies. Let's keep companies out Okay. Of Any specific model? I just wanted to know that. So uh, the erbium wires DG is what, what I use all the time. Okay. Okay. Uh, your favorite musician or band? I'm a, I'm a trained classical singer. So it has to be... At this point, Rashid Khan. Rashid Khan. I, I think he's God. Asha Bhosle. I think she's God. Because another side of you was the music side, which we will, of course, keep it for another podcast, including Absolutely. your cricket endeavors. Uh, your favorite BDS posting? Oral, oral diagnosis and radiology. You won't believe it. Wow. I learned a hell of a lot there. One dental procedure which you find is overrated. Overrated in terms of? I mean, anyone can do it, but people put a point on that saying you need to be this to do this. Or it's. I think all of dentistry can be, you can be trained to do whatever you want to do, right? I would say that super specializations like implants, mm -hmm. I think should be left to specialists. Okay. Oral surgery should be left to specialists. Orthodontics should be left to specialists, but everything else, I think everybody Everything can do it. Okay. Your favorite restaurant? In the world or in, 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 in Mumbai? Uh, Is, I one, would say One in the world and one in Mumbai. So I would say uh, at this point, it's Izumi. Izumi. Yeah. And in the world, oh, Noma. Noma. Yeah. 
Where's that? I did lots of nomads. Okay. Lots of but I love that. Yeah. Any specific de- dish in Izumi which you can recommend? I love, I mean, uh, all their starters are amazing. And uh, yeah, so I love all their starters. Okay, got it. One dental institute you wanted, you know, you wanted to stay there and study for some more time. Harvard. I mean, because you have gone to a lot for of... For sure, Harvard. Harvard. Yeah, I, when I went there, I saw what it, what it's like. And I would, it's it, 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 it inspiring in many ways. Okay. One dental instrument or equipment which you regret buying or you have stopped using it. 3D printer, which I bought. 3D printer? Yeah, I bought the 3D printer when the, it was in inception phase. Okay. And the uh, the, the, the um, liquid is so expensive because it's uh, patented liquid that I can't really use it. So it's a waste. So you're not using it right now? No. Okay. You're going to... But I have to buy a new one. Okay. <laughs> Last one. If you were not a dentist, what would you be? Somewhere in the, something in the arts, I would, I really would want to be, or, or, or a writer, a journalist, something like that. In a, the, a musician? I'm not talented enough to be a musician. Uh, you know, you have to understand where your uh, limitations are and your limitations are. Any specific thing in arts which you would, I, you can pinpoint. I've, I've done theater in the sense I've done so like, like an actor stuff. Could be, could be. I mean, that could be an entry point, but again. I, mean, uh, I would have to take training. I could still do it. Yeah, I've, I've had, I've had one person, no, two people who actually offered me, and I said yes to them. And unfortunately, it didn't fructify. But yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Pradhan, for this lovely podcast. It was short, sweet, and we got to not. I mean, know a lot of things which we, you know, generally don't know about you. So thank you for your time. It's something which. You don't give to, you know, a lot of people. So, especially a podcast. So, thank you for that. And we hope we'll have you again on another episode soon on some other topics of dentistry and more. I'm more than happy to be here. And I think that the young have to be encouraged to do it the right, you know, to do more and more things which are making waves today. And I think it's important that what you're doing think it's a great thing because you're exposing uh, a lot of the young people to people to concepts to theories that they may not be uh, it may not be available to right them. so very i'm very happy to be here thank you for inviting me and um, uh, yeah i'll be back anytime at the drop of a hat tell me and i'll be there <laughs> thank you so much it was sweet of you to say that and we'll again have you again uh, probably with your a lot of a lot more people so that we make it more dynamic and we so yeah, thank you absolutely thank, i mean yeah, i mean whatever I can just thank whatever, you for works, yes. whatever works thank you for your time yeah. and thank you for this podcast thank you thank you again thank you none talk how was it it was perfect yeah you got what you wanted eventually yes what about you did you like it yeah yeah i enjoyed it and i i went into areas which i had not thought about right, right. you know if you just think 